We're excited to have Tommy's dad here, Ron. Welcomed all the way from Arizona. I guess we're doing it in Germany today. We went out to that earlier, but um, <laughs> so we are on Orphan Mentality session five. Woohoo! Five, counting five. There are seven of these, so we're nearing the end. Um, so I'm going to jump right in because there's a lot of this one. Today we're going to be talking about encouragement. Street kids and orphans can't encourage each other, and they can't stand hearing someone else be encouraged. Um, because to hear another praised or spoken well of immediately makes them feel insecure. Um, they put themselves down emotionally and mentally when they're hearing someone else being built up. And again, this is really linked to number one. They're seeking attention because attention makes them feel valued. So because the kids are seeking that attention, that attention makes them feel valued. When someone else receives attention to them, that just speaks that they don't have any value because they weren't the recipient of that attention. So I'm going to give us some examples. At the orphanage in Haiti, there were some girls all around the age 12, 13, 14, and the church there, the, the way that they set up church is very interesting, but they would have special music, right? And I'm sure many of us have heard special music before. I grew up in a Baptist church, and there was always a special music on Sunday where someone would get up and sing a special song. So they have that in Haiti as well, and these girls would, you know, write their names on paper so that they could do a special music. And they would do it every Sunday. So one particular Sunday, there'd be like four of them singing together, and one would have a solo part, and then they'd sing all together, and it was cute and beautiful and fun. And one particular Sunday, I remember after the service was over, they were all standing together, and I walked up to them and was like, wow, girls, that was beautiful. You sang beautifully. That was wonderful. I loved it. And then I turned to Renice, who sang the solo. And I said, Renice, what a beautiful voice you have. Now, I had just told them all that they all sang beautifully and that their, their presentation in the church was beautiful. But I highlighted Renice because she had sang a solo. So I wanted to let her know that her solo was beautiful. Well, the other girls immediately were upset about this. And they started to say, oh, you think Renice only sings well, and we don't sing well, and you only tell Renice that she sings beautifully, and on it went. And I stood there thinking, how did you receive that and what just happened? <laughs> I told you all you sang beautifully, and then I just let her know she did a beautiful job on her solo. But again, it was highlighted to me that they couldn't, hearing Renice get, uh, get praised, and spoken well of immediately meant that they were not good enough to be highlighted. Only Renice was good enough to be highlighted. Um, so another situation, I was telling this girl named Betty Love, I was by myself with her. There weren't other kids around. And I said, I just went up to her and I wanted to encourage her. So I went up and I said, Betty Love, you are so beautiful. Betty Love, you're so beautiful. 
and I just wanted to overflow and love her and encourage her. Well, there were a couple of girls standing not too far away that heard me say that B Betty Love is beautiful, and they were mad at me the rest of the day. Um, they and they began to say, oh, well, we're not beautiful. Wesley never says that we're beautiful. She only says that Betty Love is beautiful, which was not true. I simply was alone with Betty Love. Like, if I had been with five girls, I would have told them all they were beautiful. I'm not going to just tell one among, you know, that they're beautiful. I was alone with her. They overheard. But immediately, that how they perceived it was that Wesley only thinks that Betty Love is beautiful. And it's, again, think of where they're coming from. They're coming from the streets. Their parents have put them down, have discouraged them, have spoken poorly of them, have told them that they're not good enough. Something in Haiti that's very common is parents would say, you're ugly to, the, to their children and mean it. And they would say, you're beautiful to kids they thought were beautiful. And it's a cultural thing there that infuriated me. Because uh, you see the kids, when they say, when an ad adult says, you're ugly, nobody wants you. They literally would say that. You, nobody wants you. You're ugly. Oh, but so-and-so is beautiful. So that's what they grow up with, this complex that if, if someone's told they're beautiful, you're obviously not beautiful unless someone's telling you that and highlighting you. To encourage one meant rejection to the others because of what they've, that they've um, received. So that's one way. Those are a bunch of examples of, of one type of they can't hear another get encouraged without feeling rejected themselves, right? Does that make sense? But they also use encouragement or spe speaking well of as a manipulation tactic. And I talked about this in one of the other sessions. So there were times, many times, that kids would come up to me and say, Wesley, you're my favorite. I love you. You're the best. Mom, mom this, mom that. I love you, mom. And they know if they use the word mom, they're trying to get the little hook in my heart. And I love you. You're the best. We don't ever want you to leave. Stay with us. Da, 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 until I have to say something that they don't like. Oh, you have to go do the dishes today. Well, all of a sudden, I'm no longer their favorite. I'm the hated one, and Rennell's the better one. So, But what does that show us? They're encouraging me and speaking well of me until they don't like something I've done. So then they try to use their words to hurt me, to control me. So they're using, basically, they're not, maybe some of the things that they're saying are genuine. I believe that there are things that they say that are genuine. But I think a lot of times it's coming from this place where they want to get in and control me with their words and their encouragement. So if their encouragement can bring build me up and make me feel good about myself, their rejection certainly will tear me down. That was an also a quote from a book that Tommy read where it says, if the praise of man can build you up, the rejection of man will tear you down. What, what does that mean? We're not supposed to be grounded in that. We're not supposed to be um, secured in the praises of man, right? We've talked about this session one over and over. We go back to it. We must be grounded in the love of God, what he loves about us. When people encourage us, it can be nice, but we're not dependent upon it. Okay? So how does this look in the church? 
it's kind of easy to see already, I think, but we have difficulty encouraging each other. We use encouragement to manipulate, which is flattery. Um, you can't hear another being spoken well of without feeling slighted or rejected. So flattery is not encouragement. To just speak well of people, to just say, oh, I'm going to tell um, Jay everything I love about him so that he tells me back what he likes about me. Because I'm insecure, so I'm going to say, Jay, you look so good today. Tell me I look good. Really, that's what it's about. I'm, I can't just say, Kayla, you look stunningly beautiful today, where my motivation is, tell me I look beautiful back. And if you don't, I'm going to feel, uh, well, she must not think I'm beautiful. I gave her an open door to tell me that uh, she was <laughs> that I'm beautiful, and she just didn't respond. Now, this happened to me. I was in Brazil, and I was with an American team that was there. Well, they had come, and I was helping translate for their team. And they were a very encouraging team. They constantly spoke well of one another and said good things about each other. And I remember one of their, two of their leaders came up to me, and they had been telling me all week long, we love this, we love that, da 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 and for some reason, I was getting really tired of it. I was just like, okay, I'm not that great. Stop telling me I'm that great. Like, there's some, I, f I felt like some of it was flattery, I guess. And so th there was one point they came to me. It was the last night they were there. And they're like, Wesley. And they just start saying all these beautiful things. And I'm just like, thanks. And the leaders said, well, do you have a hard time speaking well of other people? And I said, no, I don't, actually. I really don't. I really like authentic encouragement. But what I feel like this is flattery. <laughs> I think you're telling me good things about me because you want me to t tell something back to you. I was very honest. Janet and I are honest people. <laughs> I've heard that about her. But I just, you know, I wanted to be honest with them that I'm not going to be moved. You can encourage me. I'll receive it. I'll say thanks, but it is not going to move me to have to feel like I have to say something back to you because I want encouragement to be genuine. I want it to be overflow from my heart because of the love of God and not this tactic of I want to say something nice to you so that you say something nice back to me. If that is something in our lives, then that we've missed the mark. We're using encouragement to feed our own ego. We, we're using encouragement. We're using speaking well of to feed our own ego, what, our, what we need to hear. We're not doing it out of the abundance of our heart. So this is a very funny and embarrassing story for me. A lot of these are because I was functioning such like an orphan. But I was living at Street Life Ministries. And just for you to get a picture, we had five girls in this tiny apartment. I lived in a closet. Another girl lived in a closet. And there were three other girls. So this room, this apartment was a two-person apartment. It had two bedrooms, one bathroom, tiny kitchen, living room, all kind of open concept. So when we were increasing, Beth, 
so. We had five of us living in this tiny apartment, and we were crammed in there, all on top of each other. So legit community living type situation. You're all getting on each other's nerves. It's five girls from five different places with five different backgrounds, and we had to work hard to get along with each other. So me and my friend, we go out with some guy friends. It was just the two of us girls, and we go out to go get dinner. And we're all laughing, sitting, hanging out. And all of a sudden, they're like, the guys are like, oh, tell us what it's like to have all you five girls living in that tight quarters and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, it's fun. You know, we get along. It's okay. And they say, well, we bet so-and-so, I'll use the name Kathy. That's not her name, but uh, I don't want to expose anybody <laughs> except for myself. We think Kathy must be the easiest going out of all of you. She seems like she'd be the cleanest. She seems like she'd be the most laid back. She seems like she'd probably be the easiest one to live with. So me and my friend, I looked to my friend, and it's almost like on cue. We both turned into orphan mentality function, and we, we kind of just roll our eyes and say, and they go, what, what? What, is she not? And we're like, well, we don't want to gossip, but, you know, things aren't always as they seem. So we try to, you know, we try to cover it up, making it spiritual. Oh, we don't want to gossip. We don't want to speak badly, but we're going to give you the impression that she actually, this girl isn't actually as great as you think she is. She's actually, well, now why did I feel like I needed to do that? Why did I need to do that? Because when they said they thought she was the easiest one to live with, that immediately meant for me, you're not easy to live with. They think that you're not easy to live with. They think that you're not laid back because they think she would be the one that's most laid back. Does that make sense? So for some reason, they weren't saying that. They were complimenting this one girl, and I took it as a negative comment to me. I took it as a rejection towards me. And because of that, I needed to expose the reality that this person wasn't as laid back. I actually was the most laid back person. I actually was probably the easiest one to live with. I, 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 in my mind, right? And I wanted them to see that the appearance wasn't as is. And my friend jumped in right along with me, and we had no problems. We just did it together. We were functioning as orphans because we weren't secure in our identity. We weren't secure in who we were. If someone is spoken well of, the spiritual orphan will let the truth be known about that person. If someone is spoken well of, the spiritual orphan will let the truth be known about that person. So I've had this happen so many times before. Someone will, be someone will be encouraging someone in front of me. Say we're with friends, and they're like, oh, so-and-so is awesome, aren't they? And I'm just thinking of all the awful things about that person, and, well, you don't really know them. Maybe I should let you know because you're speaking so highly of them, but they're really not that awesome. They have a lot of faults. And I've been convicted a lot about this, a lot in my words and the way that I speak in my judgments against people, I'm being honest here. You guys know me. I share this a lot. But it's something that God works in me. 
that I need to change the way that I look at things or to change the way that I speak about people, especially if someone's speaking highly. This happened not too long ago. There was someone speaking highly of a fellow leader, and I knew a lot of things about that leader that I disagreed with personally. And I started, I, it, oh, I was in like a battle inwardly. Do I say, yeah, they're a great person? Or do I say, yeah, I don't think you really know, though. Like this situation happened and this situation happened. And I knew a lot of ins and outs where they had done some things that weren't great. And I could have exposed the person. And you know what? I did a couple of times. And then the Lord had me go back and repent. And say, I am so sorry, forgive me, because I gossiped and I was tearing down a brother and sister instead of building them up. I have no place to do that. I have no place to do that. We have no place to do that. This happened, I was in New Hampshire. I had come home from um, Haiti and was living in New Hampshire at a time, and we had a worship night. It was a Monday night. And we were doing an acoustic set because there weren't a ton of us. There were probably like 10 to 12 of us there. And we were worshiping. It was intimate. It was awesome. So then my friend gets a prophetic song, and they sing it out, this short little song, spontaneous song. Well, the thing that they sang out stirred me to sing something. So I all of a sudden started singing what I got. Well, then at the end, we pray into it. It's an awesome night, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the end of the time together, the leader of the night says, Wesley had that incredible song that brought breakthrough for the group and was about to go on about the song. Well, my friend who had sang before me said, well, you know, actually I sang this first and then she sang, and I think, like, I really felt the anointing on what I sang which was true, right? That was actually true. This person sang before me, and it launched me into a song. But for some reason, they couldn't hear me getting encouraged because they felt really like they were the ones that brought the breakthrough. Do you see it? So if I'm getting highlighted as the one that brought the breakthrough, but they think that they started before me, then they're saying, wait a second, why am I not getting highlighted? Why wasn't my song recognized? Do they not think that I'm anointed? Do they not think, did they not hear what I was singing? So then th the person actually shared. Not all the times do we step out and say something. Usually we just become bitter inside and say, oh, I'm never going to sing again. They don't recognize my anointing. They don't think that I'm awesome, so I'm just not going to sing. But what they actually did was they brought it out and said, well, actually, which is kind of shocking when you look back, you're like, whoa, real orphan mentality there. They're, they're not even just letting it be, but they have to bring it to the attention to say, no, actually, I was the one who should have gotten the attention. So uh, that's an orphan mentality. Another way that it can be seen is when someone's sharing what the Lord has taught them. Now, this was I was infamous for this as well. I'm a faulty, faulty person. <laughs> um, but someone would be sharing what the Lord taught them, and I would immediately want to be like, oh, I know that. 
oh, yeah, the Lord taught me that years ago. Like to make myself feel better that I was so much wiser and I had already received it from the Lord. So, oh, that's immature little people things. <laughs> how silly, how insecure, how immature, how childish. I was so convicted when the Lord brought this to my attention that I was doing that out of insecurity, that I needed to puff myself up to seem like I already knew all the things that needed to be known. Whether I had learned that certain revelation from the Lord or not was not the point. Someone else had received a revelation from God and had got something from his word, and I should encourage that and say, wow, that's awesome. I don't need to tell them that I already know that. What does that do? It does nothing. I need to encourage the growth in my fellow believers and not just toot my own horn and say, oh, yeah, I know those things. I know, I know. And we have to be watchful of that. When people are sharing what the Lord's teaching them, we want to encourage and say, that's awesome. Whether it's small or big, it doesn't matter. We should be encouraging each other in this because that's what the Lord will do. Isn't that how God is? When we learn the smallest little things and we come to this small, tiny revelation and the Lord's like, whoa, go you. You're getting it. And he knows everything. He's not like, I knew that already. <laughs> like, that doesn't even sound like the Lord. That's foolish. We have to be watchful of doing that because it's showing places of insecurity in us where we feel lesser than, and so I have to push myself up. This can also happen. So I was teaching this class. So, yeah, orphan mentality can come up while you're teaching the class. I was teaching this class to a group from California. It was through face, uh, Skype or like video class or whatever. While I'm teaching, one of the guys in the class raises his hand and usually I let questions happen during the class. Or So I say, hey, yeah, what's up? And he goes, well, I just had this thought. And he shares this thought that he had and says, I think it would be really, I think it goes along with the teaching. Like that might be something you add. Now immediately inside of me, two things happened. I knew I could either say, oh yeah, I was just about to get to that point, even though it wasn't in my teaching. Because if I didn't want to feel insecure that he had found something that I didn't find, so I'm going to say, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, I have it right here. If you had waited, you would have heard me say it. I could have said that. Or I could say, wow, that's an awesome point. I'm going to write that down right now and I'm going to add it to share next time, which is what I did, obviously, because I'm teaching the class and I'm hyper aware of my mentality. So I say, wow, that's awesome. And then I share with him, you know, when you shared that, an orphan mentality came up. It showed its head because I could have felt insecure that you found something that I hadn't found yet on my teaching, my, my teaching. But instead, I had two choices. I could be mature and recognize that the body works together. We all receive something, and it shows a different aspect of who God is. And that's why the body is so important. Not one person's not meant to have it all, because that's the beauty of the family. We all see different parts. We all bring a different perspective to show the bigger picture. 
And we need to recognize that and honor each other, honor those different parts. So this is another example. There's so many examples of this, but say I'm going to use Kayla. Usually I use my other friend Dave, but because she's in the room. So say Kayla and I are leading worship together. Yeah, don't worry. It's not about you. I usually use Dave. So, oh, okay. So Kayla and I are leading worship together. She gets a spontaneous song. I get a spontaneous song. Service ends. Someone comes up. Janet comes up to us afterwards, and she goes, wow, ladies, great job. I loved worship today. Kayla, your spontaneous song was beautiful. It really touched me deep inside. It, w- it like, touched a place in me. And here I am standing there like, I had a spontaneous song. What about my song, Janet? It didn't touch you deep? Yeah. Wait a second. Why why is Kayla getting encouraged? And now I'm like getting upset inside and feeling insecure. And uh, maybe I don't want to sing. Maybe my song was inappropriate. Maybe it wasn't the Lord. Now I'm doubting and questioning whether I should have even sang out loud because nobody encouraged me. I've done that plenty of times. Someone else get encouraged in front of me and I feel insecure that maybe I wasn't even in the Lord. Because if it was the Lord, someone would have encouraged me. If it was the Lord, someone would have said, wow, that ministered to me. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it is. God just wanted to encourage Kayla through Janet in that moment. And whatever he had given Kayla ministered to Janet, period. That's all. Simple piece of encouragement. So it could happen in the opposite way, which is like the other situation I talked about at Street Life. So me and my, uh, me and Kayla are worshiping. We both get songs. Kayla walks off the stage. We're done, blah, blah, blah. Someone comes up to me and they go, wow, Kayla's such an awesome worshiper. Like she's so anointed. Wow, you must be so blessed to have her. And I'm thinking, mm, what about me? So I have two choices. Either I could say, yeah, but you don't know everything about Kayla. Like, I could tell you some things about Kayla because as an orphan, I want to put her down. As an orphan, hearing someone speak well of her immediately triggers this place that says, I need to, I need to reveal, I need to expose because you're thinking too highly of her. Does that make sense? I don't know if you've ever done that before. If you've ever had these situations before where someone else gets encouraged and you immediately want to say, or you feel it. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not as immature to let it out, but you feel it and you become bitter and you say, "Mm, I don't want to do that. It would be like Ron, someone speaking well of his pastor and he just says, well, you don't know everything about my pastor. I know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I could let you really know. I could give you an in. It's an orphan mentality. God doesn't look to expose just all the negative stuff. They have leader people have leaders to help them to see areas. Yeah, they have the Holy Spirit as well, right? We don't need to just be all in the secret place saying, Let me I'll tell you what's real about them. <laughs> I'll tell you all the awful things. Because we can't handle someone else getting encouraged or promoted or spoken well of. Because to an orphan, it means I'm lesser than. 
I went to go visit my friend Harvest Bashta. This was years ago, and something that was so impactful to me about her is that everywhere we went, she spoke well of people, in front of people or away from people. She always had the positive thing to say, and it was not conjured up. She wasn't striving to do it. It wasn't flattery. She literally thought well of people. We would see someone, talk to them for a few minutes, they'd walk away and she'd be like, that person's awesome. They do this, this, this. And she'd highlight all their highest points. They are awesome. They're wonderful. She was overflowing. Any name that came up in a conversation, she always highlighted the best parts of that person. Do you think it was because she didn't know the negative parts? No. I'm sure she knew the negative parts as well. But she was so overflowing with the love of God, and it created an atmosphere of grace and life. Right? The Bible says that there's the power of life and death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We're creating life or death. And if we're constantly highlighting the the weaknesses of people or where they're weak or frail, then we're creating an atmosphere of death. Yeah, we need to build people up. If we're speaking life, I mean, that's why it's so important for us to be hearing. What does God love about you? Because the more that you know what he loves about you, the more you're going to overflow and see that he loves people. Because you know your junk. You know when you're weak. You know where you're off. You know your yucky spots. And then God's telling you how much he loves you, and you're like, God, don't you see all the junk in me? And he's like, yeah, but I love this, and I love this. And he's seeing the good in us, and he's calling the good out. And the more we're washed with that, the more we're going to respond in that same way to other people. We're going to say, yeah, I know the junk, but do you know that there's this good thing? And this, I'm going to find the smallest thing that's good in you. And I think that this is, uh, this is extremely important in the church. It's an important thing in the family, in our individual families, in our marriages, I just, the, the scripture that came to mind, it says, there's nothing worse that I'm totally paraphrasing, but it's in a, a proverb that says, it's, there's nothing worse, or it's, it's better to live in a house with a drip, a constant drip, than in the house with a fault-finding woman. Yeah, constant drip's annoying. Corner of a roof and with a nagging wife. Yeah. So there's a lot in there. Okay, calm down. <laughs> T- take it. To, he's like, I know exactly where that scripture is. <laughs> Let me show you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's true. And it's not just fault-finding wife, right? It could be anyone who's fault-finding. It's the characteristic of a fault-finder. When you live with someone, I think it highlights marriage because in marriage we see a lot of the good, bad, and ugly. We see, we know the the weak parts. We know the strong parts, but we know the awful parts. And oftentimes we want to highlight the awful. 
We want to point out, oh, you could just be better, 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 better. But that's fault finding. There's a difference with sharing in an area that could grow or increase, which is fine, and constantly encouraging and speaking well of to other people. I'm not going to go without Tommy and tell him, tell everybody all the faults. No, I'm going to highlight the greatest things about him because there's so many. When he's not there, how am I? I'm overflowing with love and goodness, kind words about him because there's so much good in him and I've learned to look for the good. And I keep learning to look for the good. But it's something we have to learn. It's not automatic. If we have a habit of looking for the bad, if we have the habit of fault finding, then we're always going to see faults everywhere. But if we have the habit of receiving the love of God for us, that he sees the good in us, then we're going to have a habit. We need to develop the habit of, okay, oh, I see a lot of rough stuff here. Help me, Lord, to see the good. Help me to see what you see, because I'm seeing a lot of rough. And help me to call out that good in this person. Um, but if we're not being filled with the love of God, that won't happen. Oh, one of my scriptures. So we're going to look here. Oh, yeah, th this last thing. We live in a world where there's a fight to appear perfect and to be the best. So we regularly speak negative of others because we want to appear a certain way ourselves. So if I can highlight and cause the focus to be on someone else's negative spots, they won't see mine. That's why we do that. It's because the culture around us, we always were striving to be perfect. We're tr striving for people to speak well of us. And if that's where we're striving, if we want to appear to be the best, the best Christian, the best disciple, the best preacher, the best wife, the best husband, if we're striving for those things, then oftentimes we can use speaking negatively of others to highlight our greatness, which is not what we want. We should never need to highlight someone's negative in order to shine. If we're shining, we're going to shine no matter if someone else is shining too. And I can actually, when I'm filled with the love of God, I can look at someone shining and say, wow, how they reflect Jesus. That's beautiful. That's awesome. I can honor someone's gifting. If they have the prophetic gift and it's more than me or more accurate than me, uh, that doesn't mean anything. I don't care. That's awesome. It doesn't mean that my gift's any less. It means God's given them something specific for the church, and I need that. I need that. I, I'm going to share one last image that I had in before we go to the scriptures. But when years ago, I was in a prayer thing, and I closed my eyes, and I saw this vivid picture. I don't know if you've experienced that yourselves, but... I saw this major battle going on, and there were two hills, one on this side, like mountains, really. And there was an army on this side and an army on this side. And on this side, it was dark. Like, I knew it was the enemy's army. And on this side, it was God's army. And then it kind of zoomed in to on the battlefield. And on God's side, we were running into battle. But then everyone turned against each other and started, started killing each other and cutting each other. 
And I thought, oh, my gosh, what what are we doing? We're cutting each other. We're, we're beating each other down. There's no way. The enemy doesn't even need to come against us because we're doing it ourselves. The enemy's not killing us. We're killing each other. And immediately I thought, if we view this, the church, the family of God, not just here, but the local, like all local churches, all believers, that we're on one side together. We're not against each other. And if I was in a battle, I would be turning to the person on my right and on my left saying, I need you and I need you. I need all the strength that you have and I need all the strength that you have. And I need all the strength that I have because only when we all use all the strength that we have will we win. And if the person on my right was stronger than me, I would be super happy (laughs) in war. I would be like, yes, I'm sticking close to this person. They're strong. And if the person on my left was super skilled, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you guys go first, actually. (laughs) I'll come running behind. But we don't act that way in the church. I'm trying to cut down the stronger one and the more skilled one so I can be seen. Which doesn't make sense because then you're going to get killed by the enemy when you're running off by yourself trying to look skilled when you're not. We can only win the battle when we're fighting together. And that works when we encourage and use the strengths that everybody has to fight together. So let's look at some scriptures. Ephesians 4, 29. I'm going to end with scripture and then you can share your thoughts. So hold it. Hold it tight. Don't forget. Ephesians 4, 29. Okay. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It says, Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such a speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, and as is fitting to the need of the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace to those who hear. I'm going to read it in the New American. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. That's pretty clear. No unwholesome word, but only such a word that will edify and give grace. Not much wiggle room within there. Edify and give grace to those that hear. Proverbs 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, this is where I've gotten in most trouble when I just start going and talking and free lips, like loose lips. That's what it's called, loose lips. When I have loose lips, I always fall in. I, I, like, it doesn't matter if I start chatting. It seems like I always fall into some sort of sin (laughs) 
because I'll either gossip about someone, judge someone, speak something I'm not supposed to, tell somebody's secret. It happens. That's why it's saying when there's so many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. It's not always an easy thing. And then lastly is Proverbs 27, 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. This is what we were talking about when you feel insecure and you want to toot your own horn. Let another man praise you and not your own lips. We don't need to go around. Someone asks, like, so who are you, Stephen? And you're like, I'm a massage therapist. I do dance. I'm prophetic. And he just starts sharing all the great things that he can do because it, it makes me feel who I am. Right. You can you can understand, though, like you want to we don't need to tell everybody they're going to see it. If we really are that they're going to see it. They're going to experience it by knowing us. We don't need to tell them. But let another man praise you and not your own lips. Now, my brother Hudson, he talks about this scripture a lot. And he's like, you know, it's interesting. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. He's like, let's make a commitment to be the other man that praises other people. We should be the other man that pre that praises and speaks well of the people around us. So making the focus other people and not ourselves, building up other people and not ourselves, but being watchful that we're not doing it to feel good about ourselves, right? The motivation for why we do it is also important. I'm not going to just keep telling Jay how awesome is he is in hopes that he likes me, in hopes that he only speaks well of me. No, I want it to overflow from the abundance of my heart that Jay is awesome because Jay is awesome because God says Jay is awesome, and if he doesn't like me, he's still awesome. That's okay. You don't have to like me. You could go home and say, Marie, Wesley's like this, 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 and this. Well, the fact that I told you you're awesome still remains the same because it came out of the overflow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so a couple of questions and thoughts to process through this week. So if you want to write these down or however you remember things, um, do you flatter because of the fear of man? Do you speak well of people because you're afraid of people? Do you speak well of people in front of them, but behind their back, you slander them? Do you speak well of people in front of them, but behind their back, you speak poorly of them? Do you feel inferior when others are encouraged? Do you feel put down? When was the last time you felt that way? And do you encourage others? you see the best in other people. So some thoughts to process through this week about where you may have felt uh, inferior or where you felt put down when someone else was encouraged or maybe where you have put down others yourself to make yourself feel better, where you've tooted your own horn, spoken well of yourself to others. And 
getting at that root area that seeks to be valued because of attention and saying, Lord, fill that place in me so that we can be those overflowing cups that produce an atmosphere of life wherever we go because we are edifying. We're building up people and sharing the love of Christ. Amen? So, Father, help us with that this week. I pray that you would show us any area where we are weak in this, where we have an orphan mentality in this area, and that you would help us to change our habits of speaking and that we would speak well of people. We'd speak, we'd count and look for the best in people. And um, that would be the habit that we come into, Lord, that you'd purify our lips, purify our mouths and the things that we say so that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.